care everyone how are you doing you know i hope you all out there staying safe staying positive and of course staying vigilant on tap for today i'm going to do a more detailed breakdown for ufc 253 but we do have cage warriors 116 today and bellator milan and man we've been having uh, especially with cage warriors man cage warriors is has been putting out a lot of content a lot of fights we also have uh i mean we have everybody so far you know and, and victor's trying to do their thing uh bellator really is trying to put on you know shows on a frequent basis and they're going to move to you know i don't mind their move you know we'll see how it goes on cbs you know um and hopefully i don't know about the main regular channel but i think it would be a lot better honestly at that you know i know a lot of people liked it where it was but hopefully they don't change a few things so of course uh youtube so speaking of things that I hope don't change, you know, um, with it going to CVS is the prelims being on YouTube. So hopefully, uh, I think this it will be on YouTube. Hopefully it continue on YouTube. I think that's just such a good idea. One championship, I've been watching that on their webs. You know, you go to their website and then it connects to... Um, their regular you know regular website and then you can watch it from there it was on youtube uh, particularly the prelims uh but at one point in time i watched a whole show on youtube but now i don't know i haven't seen too much things have changed but uh yeah yeah you know and the thing is you know i you know i still say you know wait you know i always wanted us wanted them to wait until there was a vaccine uh, but um, you know because look what we have we've been having fighters drop out left and right so um, if things go but right now it would appear I mean we have a lot of changes going on in cage warriors in terms of the lineups but this may be the first weekend where we get entire cards full cards alright so we'll, we'll see how it goes I mean you'll see uh 253 we're only going to get two fights on the early prelims you know at one point in time we got as many as 14 fights for, yeah uh, for an entire UFC pay-per-view so I mean, it's still a little on the slim side at only 11 but you know we get to our main event that much faster you know and hopefully if everything goes according to plan that will be 10 p.m. So we're gonna get right into it. All right, so let's get right into uh, UFC. I'll do, um, I mean, pretty much uh, for the most part, Cage Warriors, Bellator, Bellator especially. You know, I'm, I'm leaning towards the favorites, as I'm sure a lot of people are. Uh, you know, Bellator is. <laughs> Again, I'm not, as always, I'm not quick to call someone a can and a tomato, all right? I'm not quick to do that because, you know, a lot of people talk all this high-powered stuff. And it's like, look, if you're not going to say it to the person's face, shut up. And I know a lot of people are like, well, no, 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 you know, you always say that. What? 
don't tell me freedom of speech and you get mad when someone calls you a casual. So one, those folks like that need to solve that problem first. Okay, <laughs> stop being a casual. Because you know, this is not, this, like, how you call someone a tomato and can you can't even get your fights right. Okay, not watching Cage Warriors, not watching the Muay Thai fights that have been on, not watching one championship like that. Like, come on now. And you want to call somebody a tomato can. However, however, as I said last weekend, the week before that, <laughs> Bellator, man, they push it. Okay, they push it. You saw the one lineup, right? <laughs> My man looks like he shouldn't be there at all. Okay. Oh my goodness. And again, like I said, I'm not, I'm not quick to do that. But you see what I'm saying? Like it. One, you know, again, like I said, I'm not quick to do it. Then two, who are you to call someone a tomato can? But at the same time, it's like, look, you know, especially like UFC. Yes, you know, there are some individuals who kind of are crushing cans, you know, Megan Anderson, for one. But when you look at those ladies compared to Bellator's underdogs, <laughs> it's like night and day. Those ladies are actually in shape. They actually work out. They actually want to fight. Okay, Bellator, you know, they start, they're starting off their, uh, their uh, huge cards, because I want to say pay-per-view because we've been able to see, watch them, you know, for free. But, uh, you know, I've been starting off their big events with fighters who, like, have one win on their record. <laughs> okay. And, I mean, have you, and, I mean, you see what I'm saying? Like, they look like they don't know what a push-up looks like. Okay. they <laughs> The only thing they use weights for is to sit their coffee on top of them. Okay. Like, you, you see what I'm saying? Like, no, it's, it's a vast difference. I mean, we have some fighters who just playing struggle versus a cat that looked like he just came from a bar. <laughs> okay. He just came off of a drinking bench. It's, it's night and day. Night and day. So that's that's the main thing. You know, it's like, no, y'all haven't seen. I'm not saying that tomatoes and cans don't exist. It's just y'all haven't seen them. Okay. That's the one thing I will give up to UFC. You know, they, they have, they're, they're pushing it now. You know, they are pushing it. You know, a pro boxer will only <laughs> would, would I mean, what what the uh, Danielle Wolf? She only has well now one victory, right? Was it two? I think two victories. I know, like she kept saying that people were uh, belling on her, and it's like, well, you're a one fifty fiver. <laughs> they don't know if you're gonna come in at one forty five, and then nobody wants to be in that division. Like, come on now, but come on, like stop it. And so, yeah, it's just they're pushing, but look at her. Look at the way, look at her build, and she does, is coming from a professional uh, background in boxing. You know, still needs a whole lot of work. Okay, she's not going to last long, but look at her. I mean, she is built like a goddess, you know? Like, that, I, I at least, I can understand, give, I wouldn't give her a chance in the UFC. She would be over in Invicta, not at UFC, but... Still, you know, look at her compared to, man, y'all, that's why, I, that's my thing. It's like, no, nah, I'm not saying that tomatoes and cans don't exist, but y'all haven't seen them. Okay, I done seen some tomatoes and cans, okay? Whew. All right, so let's get right into this. Um, so, yeah, and even here, here I pretty much uh, heavily favor 
they say, if you want to know what my picks are, they, there you go. I pretty much heavily favor a lot of the favorites in all three promotions. Um, you know, even at one championship, it's just not a whole lot of uh, underdogs coming through. I mean, UFC is pretty much where you'll see the underdogs. And that's not a reason why, I, I, again, no to, uh, you know, not quick with toma- the tomato and can reference and two these fighters are coming from these other promotions so it's, it's like it's not like they haven't gotten their um their feet wet you know they've come from these other promotions now starting off the early prelims 7 p.m eastern we have uh, you know usually we get six p and that's nothing see you see the time difference usually it will start at six then i want think one time with the 14 fight schedule is always early as 5 or 5 30 p.m so you see what i mean Cadis Ibra Gomov, light heavyweight uh, matchup, 25 years old from Dakistan. You know, nowadays when you say from Dakistan, people get nervous. <laughs> you know, they get nervous like, oh boy, put money on that person because they're probably going to win. Uh, out of Russia, uh, fighting out of St. Petersburg, made his UFC debut against Daoun Jean. Uh, last year, former N1 Global Light Heavyweight Champion, currently on a three-fight win streak for the first time in his career. He lost by TKO, submission, and decision. Two wins by TKO, three victories by submission, two by decision, one by disqualifications. He's 3-2 and two in his last five, 0-3 oh in the UFC. And as you can expect, he is the minus 175 favorite in this matchup. Daniello Marques, 34 years old, six foot six, yeah, 77.5 inch reach, on a two-fight, one streak, three and two in his last five, making his UFC debut. Former GF GCF middleweight champion, four finishes via strikes, four by deci- four by submission, one by decision, coming off of an armbar victory over at Gladiator. CF 33 in 2018. So you see what the thought process is. Been out for a long period of time. 34 years old. You know, I hate to harp on age because I know that the 30-year-olds out there are like, oh, come on, man. I, I still got it. I can still get out there and beat LeBron James. No, you, you can't. <laughs> okay, no. Sit down. No. Okay. I'm not saying it's over. You know, I'm not saying that, look, when you hit those, that age range that is over, but look, you, you're not, uh, listen, you know, you get, get close to that 35 range. And even for 20-year-olds, man, you get to that 25-year-old range, things, your body's changing. You know, your body's changing, and, and even at that age, I'm like, look, you got to, look, figure it out. Figure it out. Because you only got, you know, the next step is 30. That's middle age. I know it hurts to hear, but that's middle age. And when you get to 34, that's that's you, you get there. You know what I mean? Especially with your what fight careers, because by whatever it is, um, boxing, any sport for the most part. You know, Tiger Woods started when he was three years old, all right, in golf. Why is he so good? That's why. And I, it's so many. You know, when you talk about professions. There's so many who have started when they were kids and they mastered it by the time they were in their 20s. All right, 24, 25, forget about it. They're ready to retire. 
All right, so it's like in an MMA, it's that's why you're getting a lot of young black belts in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Uh, it, it's something that takes years to accomplish because they start out so young. So, yeah, uh, you know, that's why this man here is the underdog. But, you know, not a big underdog, plus 150. I mean, you know, that's a significant range right there, you know what I mean? So we'll we'll see how that fight goes. You know, he does have the physical advantage in this matchup. But, you know, light heavyweight, eh, I don't know. But uh, everyone except for two idiots made weight. Those two individuals did. Jeff Hughes coming in at heavyweight. Uh, you know, look, <laughs> you know, it's like the guys have a job. Cause that's, what, that's what gets me. Like, people talk about flyweight. The nerve. I don't, women's flyweight, men's fly. The nerve. The gall. Like, men's heavyweight has been a disaster, man. All right, absolute disaster. And a lot of people are like, wait, wait, what are you talking about? Like, it's been a disaster. You know, it just doesn't seem that bad lately because it's, we've had, thankfully, a lot of finishes. Thankfully. You know, but, yeah, without a finish, ugh, three rounds. Oof. So, hopefully, Jeff Hughes... Um, well, he's the underdog, so I don't know what Jeff's going to do, but hopefully this one is finished fast. 32 years old, Jeff is six foot two, 77-inch reach, former LFA heavyweight champion, light out. That, as far as I know, that's his, his uh, nickname slash fighting, whatever. Lights out? I don't know. You know, I don't know. Is fighting out of Canton, Ohio. Contender Series Season 2 alumni. His only win in the UFC. Currently 1-2-1 two, and one in the UFC. 2-2-1, two, two, and one, last 5. Four finishes via strikes. One submission, five victories by decision. Last two losses were by decision. Finish once via strikes. One no contest. And he's a plus 235 underdog. And he'll be going up against the headline, the early prelims. Juan Francisco Espino de Apa. Heavyweight, El Guapo, 39 years old, 6'4". Last weighed in at 260. Uh, currently on, as far as I know, he made the heavyweight limit. Currently on a nine-fight win streak. Ultimate Fighter fame. His last fight was in 2018 uh, against Justin Frazier. One finish via strikes. One by submission, three by decision. His only loss was by KO back in 2011. He's minus 295. Seven submissions, I'm sorry. Seven submissions. Um, his only loss was by KO back in 2011. So you see why he's the minus two. 95 favorite again. You know how I feel about age. You know, 39 years old. I mean, granted, he's going up against a 32-year-old, but uh, you know, I am a little iffy. A little, little iffy. You know, I don't know. You like can't be just age, man. I mean, look at Woodley. Look at Tyron Woodley. He's a perfect example. 38. That's that's all I kept thinking about. He's 38 years old. Now, of course, other factors came into play in that it was. He's 38 plus. He's been out for a while, and he spent that time while he was out being a rapper. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I know people are like, no, he was probably still being in shape. No, 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 no. Look, when you have the ability, when you have the ability to be a full-time fire, a lot of these uh, individuals um, can't don't have the luxury of being a full-time fighter like Woodley is. First of all, you don't pick hip-hop. You don't pick the music industry. That's not a second hustle. All right, it's it's not. I know a lot of people think it is. It's not. You can't. It, you have to dive into it the same way you would MMA. You got to dive all the way into it. It, it can't. It's no. It's not a second hustle. Okay, people. Anyone who thinks that is a fool. And it's not cheap. It, it's you know anything that relates to being an independent contractor. You have to put your own money into it. You have to find the money from somewhere and put your own money into it. There, there's no such thing. You just wake up and roll into there. You need studio. You need uh, who's writing the songs. You know, if you're a writer, you know, hip-hop, usually they are the writers. But you need a produ production. You need to pay a producer. Like, how are you getting your first track out? Forget the album. How are you getting your first? People don't understand. Like, you get the, a lot of hip-hop artists, they get the advance. And then they can go from there. You know, it, it lasts, it's, it's just not, it's not cheap. It's time consuming and you, and you have to have talent. And like these guys, again, I always use Lil Wayne as an example when it comes to uh, hip hop. Because he was doing, this is a man who was a professional early, at an early age, yet he still did mixtapes. He still put out mixed CDs. Like he still was pumping out music you know kind of on the underground scene as well as doing his regular album professional album and he was chiming in and he was doing uh you know he's doing tracks with other artists like this i always use him as an example and when he was really like what was it 2012 2011 i guess that year um that's all i heard was little wayne because the man was hustle him, Meek Mills, like you got to be out here grinding, and he wasn't even doing that. These weak ass tracks, his album look, it took like forever to get together. Like nah, 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 nah. But I digress. Let's get into. But yeah, that's I, you know what I'm saying. Like those, I look, I, I didn't just look at age as a factor. I looked at the other things, elements as a factor. But yeah, that was my thought process with that fight. Plus, I just always thought that that was a bad matchup even in his prime, because he never really had speed. It was all about the power and catching people. And he never really used his wrestling. And the, tech, the takedown defense, as we've seen, it doesn't, it's great. Even at 91%, that's fantastic. But they were only gone by certain fights against certain people. Like Damian Maya hasn't done, when you talk about, you know, yeah, when we talk about single leg, he literally grabs for one leg. Okay, it's no double. He doesn't do the the double. You know what I mean? He doesn't do the scoop up and lift. He doesn't do any of those things. He just comes to tap. You know, falls on top of people and, and and crawls on top. That's not wrestling. I'm sorry. A lot of people are like, no, he can wrestle. No, that's that's not man. Listen, look at Curtis Blades. And then I know a lot of people are like, well, he's heavyweight. I don't care, man. I don't care. I don't care who you are. What division you're in, you can scoop and lift. You should be able to lift your own weight, first of all. You should be your walking weight, not your fighting weight, which is usually heavier. You know, a lot of these, you know, we see them. A lot of these fighters are 10 pounds over their fighting weight. You should be able to lift that. 
You know, if Paul Costa can, you know, if he walks around 200 pounds, you know, he's cutting down to 185. If he's walking around 200 pounds, he should be able to lift 200 pounds, period. Everyone should be able to lift their own body weight, first of all. Lose the weight so that you can do it, if need be. And um, there's, no, there's no excuse to be in MMA and not be able to do the lift, the scoop and lift, if you're going to do any kind of wrestling whatsoever. It should be just as clean as Curtis Blades. Okay, Derek Bronson, Derek Bronson, okay, he can do it. It's, there's no excuse, man. That that tackle and roll on top of somebody, I'm not trying to hear that, man. So, no, you know, it, it, Willie hasn't done that in a while. So, that was another factor going in. So, anyway, let me get back to the start of the prelims. Alexa Kimure, lightweight, uh, no, I'm not pronouncing his name correctly, light heavyweight going up against... Uh, Mr. Knight, uh, Baleska is 24 years old, six foot one, 75 inch reach, undefeated at six and zero, and on a two-fight one streak in the UFC, contender series alumni with five finishes via strikes and one decision, fighting out of uh, Brodine Heights, Ohio. Yeah, I think I got that right. Uh, and of course, he is the minus 180 favorite. Now, see, I like this though. I like this nickname right here. William Knight, Nightmare. Makes sense. It makes sense. And, hey, it's not like the original Nightmare needs his name anymore, right? <laughs> Spelled differently, of course. It's Knight, you know, as in Knights of the, you know, you know what I'm saying. 32 years old, 5 foot 10, 73 inch reach. So you see there's a reach difference there for the underdog coming off of ground and pound of Coming off of that ground and pound finish that we just watched, like what was it, two weeks ago, on the contender series against Cody uh, Bundage. So, on a two fight one streak, he is one and one against uh, Yogan de Costa Castro. Yeah, they fought, uh, you know, he fought him as an amateur. So, I just thought that was interesting, you know, that he was one and one against uh, Yogan. Uh, seven finishes via strikes. One submission one. His only pro loss was by TKO, and he's the plus 150 underdog in this matchup. And again, like I said, I kind of, I think he can kind of pull off, but I, I, I'm leaning to the favorites uh, across the board. Next up at featherweight, we have Sean Young, a, uh, of course, New Zealander because he's fighting out of city, city kickboxing. Uh, City Kickboxing has loaded up this card, okay, including for our main event. Start his He started his UFC career off with a loss, unfortunately, to current champion Alex, Alexander Volkanovsky back in 2017, UFC Fight Night 121. Currently on a two-fight win streak, though. Last fought last year. At UFC 234, six victories via strikes, four by submission, three by decision. All of his losses are by decision, 13 and four overall. Sugar, 27 year, 27 years old, five foot eight, 72.5 inch reach. He is the minus of obviously he's going to be the favorite right at minus 200. So what I'm going to do now is take a quick 
break and finish off the prelims. All right, so Young is going to be matched up against uh, Ludwig Klein, 25 years old, five foot nine, making his UFC debut. He is currently on a seven-fight win streak, seven finishes via strikes, eight by submission, one by decision. You see, this is the thought process here. You know, and I know a lot of people. It's like, man, you don't have to finish every fight, and I know it's because they're thinking about Kobe Covington. They're thinking about Yuana Yamjajek. Yoana was finishing fights. Uh, he, Col uh, Kobe has early finishes. You know what I mean? It's so to think that that's you know when they come into the UFC. In other words, how do you skip the consent the contender series? Well, that's one way of doing it. Because remember, uh, Jean Wei Lee skipped the contender series. There's a lot of fighters who you know long streak based primarily off of finishes. And they just not only do they get into the UFC, but possibly in the case of Jean Wei Lee, they make it up into those rankings pretty quickly. And then to win on top of that, and then to you know her mentality, she cannot stand winning by decision. So that she, so Dana knows, as we saw, he knows that if she wins by decision, it was a, it was a tough fight. The person she's going up against is tough, which they have been, and. You know, it, it. she's trying to finish. You know, she's not trying to coast by. She's not trying to, you know, you, we've seen them. You know, they'll, they'll, you know, get up before the fight's even over. You know what I mean? Because they laid on the person for three rounds. You know, it's, 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 that's not a way to win Dana over, you know, or continue to win him over. And even as a pro, like, you got you to gotta continue finishing and you got to continue winning. You know, we saw, I believe that what happened with Dustin Poirier, you know, as, as I, I mentioned um, in a separate segment, is that, uh, you know, once you lose, it's, you know, it's the loss to the champion, and then it was winning via decision, you know, barely, barely to me. You know what I mean? Like, and, you know, he, I, I try to warn people. I'm like, Dan Hooker. I try to want like I know you guys don't like him and, and I don't I've never been really much of a fan of his persona in particular. Like he's not someone who you know, if he fights I'm gonna watch it. But as far as like rooting for him and all this kind of stuff, no. Um, you know, he, he could leave tomorrow and I wouldn't blink an eye. But um you know, I was like, look, this dude is no joke. <laughs> you know what I mean? Do not count this dude out. He is no joke and, and for folks saw. You know, but yeah, let's get back into Mr. Klein, okay? So, remember I was telling you, you know, everyone may wait except for two people. Well, Mr. Klein is one of those two people. You know, it's like, come on, man. <laughs> you know, like, come on, man. Uh, his most recent loss was to RNC back in 2017, and he's 16 and 2 as a pro, but yeah, miss weight, he's a plus 170 underdog, it's just ridiculous, there is nothing, I'm going to tell you, I, I can't, there's nothing that burns me up more than missing weight, it is unprofessional, you get one job, and the fighter is the one who chose to be in this division, it's not like, you know, they walk up, fill out an application, Oh, we gotta put you in featherweight because that's the only job opening that we have. That's what people are thinking. Like, oh, it's okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. Go up. Go up. Now you know, five foot nine. 
yeah, in you know up in the higher division. I'm like, eh, heavier division. It's a little iffy, a little iffy. But it's like, dude, just don't waste people's time. You know, because then after a certain point, you know, I start thinking that not him, but you know, we saw what Calvillo and they like, just guy claimed that you know it was a health situation. But with Calvillo, I truly do believe that she was doing it on purpose. You know, once, twice, like, come on. You know, multiple times, I, I really thought she was doing it on purpose so she could just lay on her opponent. Because that's her style. Her style is to lay on her opponent. So coming heavier, which gives her an advantage to me. You know, a straw weight. We complain about atom weights being in straw weight. So how's it fair for someone who should be in atom weight to face someone who should be in fly weight, regardless of their height and reach? Like, think about that. It's, it's, it's kind of not fair. It's not fair for Luma, for instance, to go up against a Valentina Shevchenko. Luma, I believe that part of the reason why she's not going to win a lot of her fights, even though she's an elite and, uh, you know, we're talking about one of the most experienced Muay Thai fighters in, in the whole entire women's, out of the whole entire women's division as a whole. But why is she going to lose? I, because of her size to me. I just think she's just too small. You know, she's one person who should, and she, her, her going up to 115, she just, she looks on a chubby side. She didn't do it in, to me in a clean manner the way that Desia Torres or Michelle Watterson did it. They worked out, lifted the weights. There's still, you know, there are two people who probably can't cut back down to adding weight because they're, you know, they're primarily muscle. I mean, I, I think they're both like, what, 6% body fat, something crazy like that, especially Waterson when she is ready to uh, fight, you know, like we see her, she's all cut up, you know, you know, got all the, got the, the six pack going, arm, lasers, you know, everything, she's ready to go, you know what I mean? But that's, for example, someone who, you know, those two made, you know, built the muscle, which is part of the reason why I don't think they could ever come back down again. Uh, Michelle Warson, as I said in the clip, you know, she can't make that weight. But, yeah, it's not fair. It's not fair. So, and this fool was like, I think he came in like four pounds over past the limit. So, they give you the limit, right? And you go past that. <laughs> you get the one pound exception when it's not a title fight. And he still came in way over. Like, it's crazy. Crazy. I can't stand it. Ah, uh, boy. One of the pre So you want to fight Conor McGregor, right? But you're currently on the prelims. <laughs> I, I get it's a, pre a pay-per-view, but it's still uh, the prelims. Come on, Diego. Oh, boy, Diego Sanchez. How is it that John, you know, a lot of people are like, well, you understand why John Dobson, John Dobson, why, you know, he was released from the UFC. But I'm like, you're going to release him? But we stuck with, we're still stuck with Diego Sanchez. You can't be serious. That is, come on now. Come on. This dude should have been forced to retire a long time ago. It's ridiculous. And, and another thing, too, his mental state, he's always been like that. Like, people are all like these casuals, man. Y'all are brand new. They're all these new people. Like, no, Dago's always been like Joe Rogan called him crazy many times and to the point where early in his career, Dago, he came off a victory. I forget the who. 
and Rogan was in the octagon. And he's like, yeah, you still going to call me crazy? And I think Joe was like, yeah. <laughs> like, he was calling him crazy for a long time. You know, and, you know, again, Rogan, again, an example of not being all that politically correct. Okay, because he it is something wrong with Diego, you know, and calling him crazy doesn't help. But, um, yeah, but he was called that for, you know what I mean, for a long time. Yeah, some folks either just that just don't know, really, you know, which, you know, again, y'all y'all miss too much. You know, I'm not going to call, call you a casual, but you just miss too, entirely too much. But he's always been like that. Um, and because of his mental state, there's so many times where I was just like, how is this dude going to win a fight? Early on, he just, it was about the fighting. Now, he, he's just, uh but anyway, but yeah, you get rid of Dobson and keep him. Come on now. <sighs> okay, so 38 years old, you know, there we go. There we go. In the Hall of Fame for his fight against, uh, again, which will always be, you know, no matter what. You know, I know because uh, a lot of people want to cancel fighters just because they're cringy, uh, which is you know, it's like, go away, <laughs> go away, you know, but look, I always speak highly of Diego Sanchez, the original nightmare people, um, in particular for his Hall of Fame fight against Clay Guida, scored fight of the night seven times, first ultimate fighter uh, winner, tournament winner in the UFC history, Tied second most fight of the night awards received in UFC history. Tied seventh most wins in the UFC at 18. Former K King of the Cage welterweight champion. So, you know, I'm, I'm always going to, uh, you know, talk about the, I mean, still, um, you know, he, he left us, I know I'm talking like the dude died, right? <laughs> well, he, you know, look, and then, you know, 30 and 12, I don't need to really go over any of that stuff, but, you know, he, he's, he's, look, he, he's given us a lot, you know, no lot, you know, it's been a rough road in the UFC since his start, you know, technically those are amateur, they're considered uh, exib exhibition bouts. Uh, the ones between him and Josh Koscheck, everything at basically at the Ultimate Fighter was considered exhibition. So you know, he, technically, his even though it shouldn't be considered that because his pro debut started way before then. So I don't, I, I hate that. You know what I mean? It's like just, it's a, it's a fight. It's a pro fight. Stop calling it exhibition. Stop listening under amateur. But you know, look, since 2005, officially. After beating Kenny Florian, I mean, this is a man who fought Nick Diaz, all right, and won, and won by decision, unanimous decision at that. Uh, you know, since 2005, basically, if you want to count the exhibition bout, so 2004, you know, he, he's given us his all. He truly, he truly has, and um, and he is to me, he's a legend. You know, I don't see why people are apprehensive about calling certain fighters legends, like everyone has to be the GOAT. I can't stand that. Like, it's 50 GOATs. It's only one GOAT. GOAT is singular, not plural. There's no reason why. I don't care. You know, they, oh, only people who have certain losses. It's like, what are you talking about? 
what are you if so if Caitlin Vera, I don't want to pick on anyone, but if Caitlin Vera retires to tomorrow, okay, if she beats uh Eubanks, she'll be eleven and one. So, because she has an 11-1 record, you know, considered a good record, that's what should put her in the Hall of Fame or legend status? Get out of here with that. If his fight's already in the Hall of Fame, why shouldn't he be in the Hall of Fame? This, this, this is a dumb, this, this is a stupid thing. Stupid. I, I just I can't stand it. Uh, but here's a, you know, but hey, look, let's get back to business. He is a plus, a huge plus 500 underdog. And I can't lie, man. I don't care who he's facing up against. I don't care. I, I'm not going to pick him. I'm not going to pick him at all. He won via decision because, look, Michelle, Pierre, it's an idiot. You get mad. Folks just got mad at that. And, yeah, make a Mitchell, Pierre. Look, if you, if you only like him because you simp him, I, I can't, we, we can't. I, I don't want to hear it from him. No offense. Sorry, but no. He's an idiot. He's an idiot. That's why he's not making, going to make it up the chain, for the sheer fact that he's an idiot. People are like, oh, like his fighting style. Like, man, listen, he still he lost to Diego Sanchez. Man, I kick his ass out. That's why I'm not a promoter. That's why I'm not boss of an MMA promotion. That's why I'll probably never be boss of the UFC. Because, man, I would have let that dude go. You lose to Diego Sanchez because you got disqualified. Because he was smart enough to take the, the DQ, which I wish more fighters would do, actually. Don't don't give that person a pass. They screwed up. It's rules. This isn't, it's not a street fight. It's rules. It's rules and regulations. They break the rules. They should pay for it. Lose their purse, the whole, whatever, whatever it is. Especially in his case. Because that was stupid. He's already, he was already winning the fight. There was no way for Diego to win before the fight even started. It's a jackass, man. Anyway, did amateur, <laughs> Dago did amateur, I just want to throw this in here. Dago did amateur wrestling in high school, seven-time grappler, quest champion, black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, three and two in his last five, thanks to the DQ in February 19 and 12 in the UFC, five foot ten with a 72-inch reach. You know, I just had to throw that in there, you know. And he's going up against... Jake Matthews, who's uh, 16 and 4, and uh, as you can imagine, he is a minus 725 favorite. I favor him in this matchup. I mean, look, 5 foot 11. I mean, reach is virtually identical, but 26 years old, the Celtic kid should, you know, this should be. Easy day at the office for him. It's on a two-fight win streak. Uh, he lost to Rocco Martin. Now, you know, if, if this was a, a a younger, more focused, having a better coach, Diego Sanchez, then I would actually favor him in this matchup, winning the same way that Rocco did, but nah, I don't. Um, he is 4-1 in his last five. You know, also Ultimate Fighter, alumni Ultimate Fighter 23, but uh, he did, uh, and that was, he went there after uh, two-fight, one-streak, UFC 193. So he's, you know, he's been here a long time. Okay, been here a long time. He is 
nine and four in the UFC. But again, like I said, I don't I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's the janitor. You know, at at, at school board, I, I don't I won't have Diego San, Sanchez winning the fight. Headlining. The prelims will be Brad Riddell, 28 years old, five foot seven, with a 71.3 inch reach. Out again, he's our second city kickbox. Did it wait a second? Yeah, because Young and then Riddell. Yeah, and I think we've got two more out of city kickboxing. Yeah, yeah, there we go. So yeah, he's our second member of city kickboxing. Also fought in one champ. I, I, now I watched him fight. It's not listed, but I watched him fight in one championship. Uh, so I don't know what's up with that. Pretty sure I watched him fight. Maybe I'm wrong, but I could swore I watched him fight in one championship. Anyway, he's currently on a five-fight win streak. Being primarily a kickboxer, it makes sense that most of his wins are via strikes. With three victories by decision, Quake is 8-1 overall in MMA, 2-0 in the UFC. And, again, pretty much every, anyone, as far as I know, all the members of City Kickboxing are the favorites in their matchup. He is a huge minus 325 favorite today. But the thing is, though, <laughs> the thing is, Alex Leco de Silva Goel, 24 years old, 5 foot 10, 73 inch reach, okay, 21 and 2. Coming off of a unanimous decision victory over Rodrigo Vargas, 3 and 2 in his last five, 1 and 1 in UFC, 13 finishes via strike, 7 by submission, 1 decision. So the thing is, now, now here's the thing, now, even though I favor the city kickboxing uh, fighters, this one right here, you know, usually I try not to avoid two. When I see huge underdogs, underdogs, period, I always, I never count out the underdogs. But when I see, like, the huge numbers, sometimes I'll just throw some change on them. Just in case, because, some, you know, we, we've been seeing a lot of underdogs, underdog victories. Perfect example is who's fighting on this matchup, Shajara Eubanks. Perfect example. Roxy Montefiore. Perfect example. Okay. So you never can count the underdog out. And here, like much like those two ladies, they had a ground game, which to me gave them an advantage because why would you stand and trade punches, particularly with someone out of city kickboxing? Why wouldn't you go to the ground? So I, I, I favor the city kickboxing fighters, but I, I, this one right here, I, I, you know, if I'm going to have an underdog pick, it would be this one right here. You know, it, I still favor the, you know. Nah, I'm going to take that back. I'm, I'm going to try and go for it. <laughs> I'm going to go with the self. I'm going to go with Because, you know, seven finishes via submission. And, again, why why would you stand and trade? Who knows? Who knows? He might get knocked out. Because the problem with a lot of grapplers is that they get knocked out. But 13 finishes via strike. So it's not like he doesn't know how to hold his hands. All right? We'll see. We'll see. He'll probably lead. Uh, he probably won't panic grapple. He'll probably lead with strikes and, you know, get knocked out. So, again, that's what I'm saying. Like, And it's not like the city kickboxers don't know any grappling at all. Okay. So I'm going to stop there.
take another break and we're going to get right into the main event so yeah at the hopefully hopefully I can find a way because I want to break down I always wanted to break down one championship uh, Bellator but as you can see it's hard to keep it under one hour for a USC event now, um, you know, like one championship will be, you know, at that, I need, you know, come on, my God. Because <laughs> you got the Muay Thai, you have regular MMA, then you have fighters like Stan Fairtech trying to do three. You know, she's trying to do, what was it? It was, it was Muay Thai, it was MMA, and then it was, the hell was the other one? Yeah, I think that's what it was. You know, so... Yeah, you know what I mean? So, oh, regular kickboxing, Muay Thai, and I think MMA. I think that's how it was going. All right. So, yeah, that that's, that's you know, just to break her down, would take a, a hot minute, you know what I mean? And who she's going up against. You know, you got Muay Thai fighters with 300 fights under their belt over there. So, it, it, it you know, Bellator, eh, you know, we see how their prelims are, okay? Not, not a lot to cover there. So with them, it'll just be the picks. You know, I, I probably won't go into a lot of detail unless it's someone with a lot. Unless it's, first of all, the fighters with experience, I'll go. It, it The setup will probably be a lot different is what I'm trying to say. But hopefully I'll be able to do that. So because this is with them, especially with this, I mean, we're getting into the fall. You know, we're getting into the winter. And this time is where folks need money. Please bet responsibly. Uh, if you know someone who needs help, there's help out there, reach out to me. Uh, but, yeah, reach out to facilities in the area, in your own area, and get them the help that they need. But this, a lot of money could be, now it's going to cost a lot of money, but a lot of money could be made in the next coming months. You know, we have holidays coming up, so and to have all these different outlets to bet on, especially with one championship, Bellator in particular, and UFC, plus NFL, NBA still going on. You know, it's, it's some money to, can be made, and this is the time to do it. Uh, and then, yeah, Florida is like, hey, no restrictions. <laughs> Man. Oh, my God. I have family down there, too. Uh, I hope they're okay. My God, Florida. Well, Florida, well, Florida, right? Oh, my goodness. Now, I remember when I was talking about, you know, two idiots didn't make weight. Well, starting off our main card is Sabara Tokugov. Yeah, the warrior. It's half with Miss Weight. I cannot, I cannot stand that. And I favored this fool in this matchup, man. Ooh. I can't I can't stand it, man. Four pounds past the because you know you get the so it's the weight you're supposed to be. It's featherweight. So you're supposed to be at one forty five. Then they give you, you know, the limit, a pound over. He's four pounds over that. It's a half weight, man. Just it's just so unprofessional. So uh, it's it's you only got one job really. You know, win, lose, or draw. Well, anyway, Tokugov is 29 years old. 
in uh, 2019, I remember him because in 2019, the NSAC gave Toko Golf a uh, one-year suspension and a $25,000 fine for jumping the cage and punching Conor McGregor in the face. At UFC 229, 2016, he was, that was, that was in, for UFC 229, okay. In 2016, prior, basically, he was suspended for two years by USADA for testing positive for a banned substance, coming off of a first-round KO of Kevin Aguilar. So, yeah, this dude, man, <clears throat> you know, anyone who's under the tutelage of Habib Nurmagomedov. I'm, I'm going to favor them in a fight. I don't care who it is they're going up against. Now, he is going up against a dangerous fighter, but he can, you know, he's going to go for the takedown. He shoots for the takedown. That's what he does, you know. Uh, three, one, and one is last five. He is four, one, and one in UFC. The warrior, or what well, warrior? It should be the warrior. Damn it. Not warrior. But I digress. Five foot eight. 68-inch reach. Uh, seven finishes via strikes, one submission, 11 decisions. Uh, he's the minus 140 favorite I had. Um, probably, you know, I don't know if that went up or down because of that. You know, it, it shouldn't factor in. If anything, it should give him more of an advantage because he'll lay on him. He'll, you know, go for the takedown, lay on him. Because why in the world would you strike with Hakeem Dawundu. You just don't do it. You just don't do it. 29 years old, out of Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Mean Hakeem is on a four-fight win streak, successful International Federation Muay Thai Amateur World Muay Thai Council International Intercontinental Welterweight Champion, 2014. 2012 Pan American Muay Thai Union Super Lightweight Champion. 2011 International Kickboxing Federation Muay Thai Rules Welterweight World Champion. I'm not done yet. 2012 IKF World Classic Muay Thai rules, welterweight champion, seven finishes via strikes, four victories by decision, one draw, never subbed. His last four fights have gone the distance, however. Five foot eight, 72 inch reach. He is the plus 115 favorite. I know a lot of people favor him in this matchup. I still favor Tokugov, uh, especially now with him coming in fat. Because he'll just lay on him. In all fairness, though, you don't stand and trade with mean Hakeem. You're going to get knees and elbows from hell. Don't do it. It's it's a grappler. The man can grapple. He's not all that great at it, you know, but he can. He not mean Hakeem, but warrior. Yeah. You know, so I expect him to get... Uh, Probably win by decision because he's now great with finishing, you know. But he gets to take down everything, and, and then he's like fumbling around, you know. But and again, in all fairness to uh, me and Hakeem, I'm sure he's prepared for that, which is why I think that would definitely go to decision, no matter what. Plus, he's won all his, even in spite of his 
Muay Thai prowess and striking uh, excellence, he still has gone to decision himself. Next up, a huge, huge fight with title implications. Yes, I know you're like, no, no, man, you crazy. You smoking crack. No, 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 no. Listen, Caitlin V, I explained this on Twitter already. Caitlin Vieira da Silva. Look, she was she's supposed to be the heir to the throne. I'm sorry. I know you'd like, no, 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 whatever. You, you get mad, you can kick, kick a box if you have to. She's supposed to be heir to the throne. Okay. She hit a stumbling block when she got knocked out by Caitlin Vieira. And she is coming off of that loss. Does a stumbling block. So she's kind of essentially, she got kicked down the ranking. She replaced, you know, they switched. They swapped out, which is, that's only fair. A lot of people are like, yeah, but, 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 fight math, fight math. No, listen, as far as I'm concerned, I don't care where you are. If you weren't ranked, like Cynthia Calvillo, she made weight. She fought Jessica I, who didn't make weight, if I remember correctly. Again, Cynthia won. Not only should she swap places, which is what we saw, she swapped places with Jessica I. Jessica I still in the rankings, though. Calvillo wasn't. But still, you know, her punishment, yeah, look, if she got kicked off the rankings, that should be her punishment for coming in fat yet again and losing to someone who wasn't, who's ranked in straw weight, okay, not fly weight. Hey, that should be the punishment as far as I'm concerned because you shouldn't lose. I don't care if you're the underdog, you know, the favorite, whatever. You're not supposed to lose. You're the high-ranked fighter. What what sense does that make? So that's, that should be their punishment. You get mad all you want. That's, as far as I'm concerned, that's how it goes. That's how it went here. From the Manos Amazonas Brazil, Brazilian, uh, who is a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and judo. So, um, and, hey, in terms of her grappling prowess, Caitlin Vieira, she started training when she was in both arts, judo, jiu-jitsu, when she was 12 years old. <laughs> this woman is no joke. Brazilian wrestling champion, former Mr. Cage Bantamweight champion, coming off of that, of course, as I said, first round uh, KO, Tyrene Aldana, where they switch places in the rankings, and rightfully so. So, th But they're still going to look at Caitlin as someone to, you know, possibly move up the chain. Uh, she's she's was scheduled against uh, Marion Renault twice. Yeah, she had a lot of. Caitlin's going through it. <laughs> she's going through it. She has. She herself was injured for a period of time, and she missed out on a possibility of a title fight against Nunez. And I think I truly do believe that that's why Nunez ended up fighting Holly Holm. Holly Holm. I know we're all tired of seeing her, but for the most part, usually now this this fight here between her and Aldana makes no sense to me. But usually home is filling in for someone else. When you see her all of a sudden show up, it's because she's filling in for someone else. That's why Dana loves her so much. Aside from, to me, being a blonde and having blue eyes. I, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there, but you know, I think that's part of it. Okay. Prior to uh, Vieira's loss, she was on a 10-fight win streak. You know, can't take that away from her. Two finishes via strikes, four victories by submission. Uh, four by decision, five and one in the UFC. And she is a minus 
190 favorite, obviously. 68 inch reach. She is five foot eight. Did I mention it? Five foot eight, not five foot seven, not five foot six. Five foot eight. So this is a significant size difference for Sarge, which is the reason why I really don't like her at Bantamweight. I know she's had problems. Well, you know, I'm not going to knock her this time around because she's filling in for a fight. <laughs> she went up against two, you know, top fighters. You know, that went against, uh, I mean, and again, Julia Villa, as dangerous as she is. Yeah, if I was her manager, I'd be like, yeah. One, you don't have to worry about the weight cut. And two, yeah, because you can beat her. And she did. You know, and, and my my reasoning behind that when I picked Sarge was because she can grapple. Why stand and bang with someone who is, you know, a woman who's a knockout artist, man. Listen, ain't nothing poor. A woman who's a knockout artist, man. You know, because usually it's the leg kicks. You know, usually it's a leg kick KO, not punch KO. That's that's rare in the women's division. You know, we see leg kicks all the time, but punching just, you know, wailing on someone and just leveling them, nah, and usually it's the, you know, the champions for the most part. But yeah, I thought that was a winnable fight for Sarge, and she did win. That was a good upset victory there. Here, I don't like her chances at all. 35 years old, problem number one. Five foot four, as we saw, she's definitely five foot four, problem number two. Now, 67-inch reach helps a lot. You know, their reach is, you know, near the same. There's only an inch off. So I think that will help Sarge when she's in there banging. Because they're going to bang starting out. They got to bang. Both are black belts in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So I don't think either one will want to go to the ground. However, I think that if Vieira does get in trouble, she can, you know, easily tackle Sarge. Plus, Sarge is going to, she's going to want to work off of her back anyway, being a uh, Jiu-Jitsu practitioner. She's not going to worry about getting tackled, is what I'm trying to say. However, that's going to score points for Vieira, as we've seen so many times before in the women's division. You know, you score that one takedown, especially in the first round, you pretty much can sell through with these with these judges, man, because that's all they see, you know. It's ridiculous. But anyway, you know, you know what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about that Angela Hill-Michelle Waterson fight, which, again, you know, you know, Waterson did, you know, especially those last two rounds, she did, I, I was watching closely, she did those leg kicks, you know, even though it wasn't, they weren't hurting Hill, it was just too many, it was enough for her to score the victory, you know what I mean, outpointing uh, Hill, which has been a chronic problem with her, you know, uh, but, you know, let's get on to this fight here. I don't see that problem here. Now, will Sarge score more leg kicks? I think that's key. Foot more, you know, again, footwork. She needs improved footwork, period. And I know it's hard for fighters who have a grappling base. They usually come in low on a flat-footed side because they're ready. Because they're still thinking takedown sooner or later, you know. Uh, but I think in this matchup, it, you know, hard for Sarge to prep on a short, you know, taking a fight short notice as she did. But who doesn't know? what Caitlin Vera can do. Everyone should know that by now. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that, you know, only thing she needs to do, she needs footwork, period, whether she's in bantamweight or flyweight. She needs improved footwork and uh, leg kicks, utilize the leg kicks, and she'll be the stronger fighter. So if anything, I wouldn't be surprised if she tried to take down Vieira. 
because she should technically be on the same, you know, as far as strength goes, being a shorter fighter. Usually we see shorter fighters in the heavier divisions. They have more power in many cases. Again, and, and I know I don't want, I don't like using Andrade as an example because she's just a freak of nature. And I hope she, you know, I hope she never takes, if she ever heard that from me, which she won't, but if she ever did, I hope she takes that, understands that's not an insult. I'm not trying to insult her at all. She is just a freak of nature. You know, she strongest woman small but it makes sense you know especially move now that she's in the heavier division uh, it makes sense you know shorter more compact should be have the more power and and um it's great that vera made weight successfully she's had issues with making weight before so uh you know but i, I wonder sometimes if that's uh hurting her you know she and i think that if she does win she needs to consider moving up the featherweight because she's supposed to face Nunez no matter what. And man, she will. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I can see Spencer just, you know, stopping what she's doing, you know, like, ho, 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 putting that teacher, you know, because she's a teacher. I can see her putting, you know, like, look, I need to substitute up in here. I need to take that fight. I can see her, like, jumping at the chance to face Caitlin. Um, but other than that, Caitlin would. It's only what one flyweight, featherweight to worry about, <laughs> you know. What I mean, that's Anderson, and if she loses, nobody's going to care. But yeah, I, I think that if uh, Vieira wins, she should think about just going ahead and moving up before. Now that um, Nunez' child is here, now that she's with child, look, retirement is going to really, she's really going to think about retirement. Um, I mean, I don't know. You know, a kid comes in and they see how expensive a kid is. She may want to continue fighting, you know, which she certainly could. I, I think that that's what B.R. should do. She should just go ahead if she wins. And this is a winnable fight for her. And as I said, I favor most of the... This is a tough one because I just don't know. You know, Sarge could pull something out. But I'm going to lean towards the favorite again in this matchup. Um, and yeah, and Sarge, just to be clear, she's taking the fight short notice because uh, Marion Renault uh, had the bell again, had to back out. Um, she two uh, TKO victories for Sarge, one submission as an amateur, uh, four pro wins by submission. Because again, they're counting the Ultimate Fighter stuff as exhibition or amateur, which I don't like at all. But hey. Uh, three and two in her last five, four and two in the UFC, plus 160 underdog. And yeah, like I said, I favor the uh, the favorite in this matchup. <laughs> Kaya Cara France. I'm sorry, James Kaya Ware Cara France. Yes, is from New Zealand also. He's the other individual from City Kickboxing. Uh, and, of course, the champ, I might as well go ahead and say that now, as folks should know. Uh, like the champ, he's a blue belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Don't blink. That's what I'm talking about. Don't blink. Four is a five-foot-four, 66-point-and-a-half-inch reach, coming off of that unanimous decision, unanimous decision victory in February against Tyson Nam. Nam rebounded and is currently on a two-fight win streak. Nine wins via strikes, three by submission, nine victories by decision, one no contest. He's 4-1 his last five, 4-1 in the UFC, currently ranked at number seven in flyweight. 
is a minus 240 favorite. He has 10 first round finishes. If there, you know, you talk about a, a, a just one of the most accurate nicknames, because you think don't blink, that's silly. Like, no, that's one of the most accurate and dead on nicknames going. Indeed, don't blink. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, now, all of his UFC, all his fights in the UFC so far have gone to the distance, though. So we'll see what happens here. Uh, finished twice via strikes, two by submission, and lost four times by decision. Brandon Rayval. I, I, man, I can't stand Raw Dog. I hate that. It, it's a porn name. <laughs> Get out of here with this, man. Raw Dog. It's, it's a porn name, man. Get out of here with that. 28 years old, five foot nine, 70 inch reach. So you see that there's, you know, that reach difference is going to uh, probably affect Brandon in this matchup. On a three fight one streak, all by a submission, uh, two by armbar within those three finishes. Four and one in his last five, one and oh in the UFC. He went six and two over at LFA, three finishes via strikes, two by seven by submission, one by decision. From, uh, as far as I know, he's from Factory X Muay Thai. All of his losses, four, are by deci decision. He's a plus 190 underdog. If I was going to favor an underdog, which I don't, but if I was going to favor an underdog, it would be in this matchup. You know, why not go to the ground? Again, why stand and trade with anyone from City Kickboxing? It's, listen, um, um, listen, it's, I hate to be harsh, but it's dumb. It's dumb, man. You know, these dudes is trading punches with Dan Hooker, okay? Israel is training, you know, he, he spars with Dan Hooker. Like, listen, man, you don't you don't stand and trade with these dudes, man. You're going to get embarrassed. So uh, it's another fight where I can see it going to the ground and the underdog coming through. So you've been warned. Jan Blakowicz, yeah. Former KSW light heavyweight champion, currently on currently ranked three in the UFC light heavyweight division, which that means nothing because he's fighting for the championship. 37 years old. Yeah. So already you know. <laughs> you already know. When you hear me say that, it's like, nah, man. Six foot two, seventy eight. He might surprise us. He might surprise us. He is a, again, he is it's another grappler. He's a black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu under uh, Joe Moria. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, trains at uh, Alliance MMA with Alexander Gustafson, Phil Davis, and Joey Beltran. So, hey, look. You know, again, his success, he has success for a reason, okay? He hasn't really put that grappling to use, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Again, another fight where, hey, you can grapple, go up against a striker, maybe try to grapple. I don't, uh, you know, get that arm bar, man. Currently on a three-fight win streak. Two of those victories were by knockout. Seven victories in all, along with nine submissions. Ten wins by decision. Five of his losses were by decision. One submission loss. He was finished twice by strikes. Four and one in his last five. Nine and five in the UFC. He's the plus 225 underdog, as you can imagine. 
Devastator. I want I want to do a sound clip from uh, Transformers, but I was like, nah, they, I might get uh, sued for that. So I was like, nah, I ain't going to do that. But yeah, the Devastator, Dominic Reyes, 30 years old, 6'4", 77-inch reach, coming off of a wrong unanimous decision loss. He was robbed to John Jones, who vacated the title. Prior to that, he went on a monstrous 11-fight win streak. He also went 4-0 as an amateur. Seven of those victories were by knockout, two by submission, three by decision. Minus 280 favorite because he's going to have that takedown defense ready. Uh, yeah. Again, you know, Jan could grapple, but yeah, the stand and trade with Dominic Reyes, I think that he will get destroyed good chance it won't get past the first round <laughs> i'm you know, no no disrespect no disrespect to um jan but nah next up is the main event of the evening we have polo enrique costa 29 years old out of bello Dejonche Minha Gerlis Brazil. Yeah, I think I got that right. <laughs> I think I got that right. Bushina, Little Rubber, ranked number two. Well, you know, he's ranked number two, but, you know, he's number one contender. Has been for a long time. In the UFC middleweight division, six foot one, 72 inch reach. Yeah. <laughs> 72. What's that, three, four inches over what Caitlin Vieira's reach is? Yeah, not good. <laughs> she's five foot eight. Big woman. A big woman for bantamweight, but yeah, she's five foot eight. Bantamweight. His, his dude reach isn't that much longer than hers. <laughs> He's a dead man, you hear me? Anyway, um, the eraser, as we know him as, is former jungle fight middleweight champion. He has a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which he had to had the audacity to wear at the face-off. I mean, dude, it's like, yeah, that's great, but you ain't used your black belt since you've been in UFC, bro. Like, come on, fam, you ain't been grappling since you. Come on, now, stop it. Like, you're going to grapple on this fight. Come on, man. He needs to, though. He needs to. I think that he is honestly... Okay, uh, 11 finishes via strike. So he fell in love with the striking. One submission, one decision. Hasn't fought since last year. Costa was suspended for uh, six months. You know, it was retroactive and all that kind of stuff because he turned to a snitch for USADA, by the way, uh, for intravenous infusions, more than 100 liter, milliliters in 12 hours after weigh-in. So, you know, he, he pulls this Bane routine. He comes in, you know, famished at the weigh-ins and then he does his bane routine and then has the nerve to talk trash when he's coming into the fight probably weighing like 200 pounds he's a man oh and he did that twice in his career by the way he got caught twice doing that yeah yeah it's, but no seriously though you know I, I do think that he had you know again another grappler yet another one going up against an elite striker he needs to use the grappling for once in his life Makes no sense. This man has been grappling since he was a teenager. That's why he, you know, at 29 years old, is a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Started when he was a teenager. Makes no sense for him to go in there and just try to trade punches with someone with <laughs> the reach of a heavyweight. Okay? 
foolishness. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. He'll probably try to stay in trade and, you know, get embarrassed. But that's on him. Uh, okay. <clears throat> Israel, Mombology, uh, Tommy Tile, Omo, Omeo, Omo, Ola Afemi, Ola B. Adishriel. Ooh, I still got some work to do. I still got some work to do. I know, I know. I got to work on my pronunciations on across the board. Uh, but yeah, yeah. The man, the new myth, the new legend, 31 years old from Lagos, Nigeria. His family relocated to uh, Rotoro, New Zealand, when Israel was 10 years old. The last style bender fighting out of Auckland, New Zealand now. And, of course, he is our last individual fighting out of city kickboxing on this card. Four and all, if I'm not mistaken, if I got it right. Trainer. Uh, the trainer, of course, as everyone should know, is Eugene Behrman. Uh, one of the best trainers right now. And and I was always, you know, my issue, like when I said about Romero, when he went up against Romero, I was like, well, it's a wonderful fight for Izzy if he's not arrogant and cocky. And, you know, folks were just like, look, Eugene is not going to let him come in there arrogant and cocky. And that's the key right there. Because a lot of people thought he was bothered by the antics of Paulo Costa. To me, just the mere fact that he threw it back to Costa, it was no fear. And I think that's been... Izzy's theme throughout is to show that he has no fear of this dude whatsoever. And I love that about him. But yeah, um, as I was told, I'm just telling people what I was told. Like Eugene is not going to let him come in there sloppy and arrogant. And to me, that's how he would lose is to come in there sloppy and arrogant and underestimate Costa because he does have a ground game. He is a powerful striker. He is at 100, you know, basically at 200% in the first round one of the, you know it's hard for someone who's striker base to get out of a first round with someone who can throw bombs and grapple you know you know it's a bad matchup for costa because he has no kind of counter punching whatsoever he's more offensive he gets caught with counter punches a lot he gets caught with the jab constantly he got and the thing about it is he got caught with the jab against someone who you know you're right hard to me um it's his mental state, you know, not his technique or abilities. I think he has a technique and, technique and abilities. And, of course, the gas tank. His gas tank failed when he was going up against Costa because he was winning. He, he, there was a, he, already, he had dropped Costa. There was a way for him to win if he had the gas tank. Okay, his jab was working the entire night, and that's something that Costa has been susceptible to throughout his career. He just, when he swarms on fighters, it eliminates kind of his own flaws, you know what I mean? So you don't really see them until someone, you know, really can counterpunch and expose them. Even if he crowds Israel, I think that's one way he can win. If he crowds them early, he'll get caught with a few punches. But if he just keeps his hands up for once and catches Israel, maybe that's one way he can do it in the first round. But other than that, again, one of the Israel, his footwork. Forget what he can do as far as his punches go. Footwork. It's this technically is a bad matchup for Costa, in every way, shape, or form. But we'll see what happens. Okay. Um, but yeah, Eugene himself went four and one as a welterweight. 
Okay, uh, Israel is a blue belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, so it's not like he's unfamiliar with the ground game. Uh, under Andre Gavial, who uh, we saw, you know, as a picture of him giving uh, Israel his blue belt. Over 100 combined fights for this for style bender at 19-0, as everyone knows, as an MMA fighter. 14 finishes via strikes on a five uh five by decision eight and oh in the ufc former king of the ring uh what is it okay so let me see if i can go through it so it's 86 okay king of the ring 86 cruiserweight two tournament champion at king of the ring 100 the heavyweight three tournament champion most titles in king of the ring history with three former glory 34 middleweight contender tournament champion former hex fighting series middleweight champion former australian fighting championship middleweight champion 80 inch reach <laughs> Again, 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 I never rule out the underdogs. Neither, neither should any of you. Do not rule out the underdogs, but yeah. <laughs> 80 wrench reach. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> oh, my God. This, again, I don't rule out Costa knocking out Izzy. I think he's the one person who could sub. Izzy, I think he has the strength and power to do something. I think you need that for Izzy. It's not just technique. You know, it's it's power. I think you need to hold him, be able to hold him, grab him, hold him down, get that submission on fast, okay? Arm bar, leg lock in particular. I think that's the route to go. Uh, so I'm not ruling him out at all, but, man, you want to talk about stuff. You want to talk about elements stacked up against someone. There's so many stacked up against Costa because we're talking about someone who has finished grapplers in the past. Okay, I mean, Vittori, I mean, he didn't finish Vittori, but, you know, still, okay, he was picking him apart. <laughs> He's neutralizing his grappling completely, gotten out of grappling situations, went up against, uh, if I'm not mistaken, a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu under Kelvin Gaslam. Like, this, like, yeah, look, man. So, you know, it's, it's like he going up against the one dude who's defeated more grapplers than he has, defeated more high-level fighters than he has in terms of Paul Costa. He, he doesn't have the resume as the champ. That's, man, a lot of these champions will probably keep winning because, they, you know, you want to use fight math because a lot of people are trying to use fight math. Look, let's, let's deal with the fact that Paul Costa has not fought Kevin Gaslam. He hasn't fought um, Whitaker. He hasn't fought the same. He hasn't fought Derek Brunson. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, how can you compare someone and even use, first of all, we're using fight Matt, the mere fact that he has more fights than Paulo Costa, more elite fighters in the UFC, 8-0, okay? This dude's not close to that. He is getting suspended by when he was fighting in the UFC. Hey, man, listen, I don't mean to be harsh, but if you want to talk about trash compared to this dude, 
I mean, I hate to be harsh, but man, this dude guy, he really in spite of being thirteen and oh, he really has no business being in there with the champion really. A at all. Looking on his resume. You know, Johnny Hendricks, seriously? <laughs> Had problems with with Hall of all people? Come on now. Mm -mm, no. Got dropped, was susceptible to the jab the entire time before Hall gassed out. He was hitting him with the jab the entire time. He has really technically has no business being in there with someone like uh, a dish reel. No business at all. So, yeah, I don't, I don't like his chance. You know, I, again, I, don't, I won't be surprised, but I, he, you want to talk about should be one of the most one-sided champions. This should be another Whitaker fight, honestly. Another Whitaker fight. Because this dude has no head movement at all. He barely keeps his hands up. If it does, real last minute. Man, listen. He should get done. So, yeah, that's it. That is it. Thank you for joining me. If you listen all the way through, thank you very much. You see why now I can only do, like, one at a time. You know, and usually it's the UFC because that takes the longest amount of time. But, yeah, so hopefully soon I'll be able to do all these, every last promotion. I want to cover every last single promotion. I don't care who it is. I want to be able to cover all of it. I uh, don't know how I'm going to do that, honestly, because this takes over an hour, and I'm trying to keep it under an hour. So we'll see how it goes. But thank you guys so much for joining me. Hope you guys stay safe out there, stay positive, and stay vigilant. Take care. So, yeah, I just want to make something, get something off my chest real quick about my comments that I made on uh, Twitter about the whole situation with Mobile IG and this me hit, Polo Costa. Because, you know, somebody, I saw some comments like, yeah, because of the way Israel was acting, oh, they're not going to pick him or bet on him. Look, you know, if you want to put money on Costa, hey, look, I don't blame you. I'm the main one who I won't rule out the underdog, okay, um, especially this weekend. None of them, not a single one of them I'm ruling out, especially like, especially Costa and Eubanks in particular. Right. I, I think they have a chance. But to me, to say that the exchange, which was instigated by Costa, to say that that's a reason why oh, I'm going to change my bet around or change my pick around. Like I said, you're a rank amateur. You got no bet. And I want to expand on that and take it a step further. You got no business betting, period. OK, you don't. The only it, I can't lie. There have been times where I've seen pressers or meetups, and it, and it 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 was an indicator of things that come. But it had to be something way out of line. You know, perfect example is Kat Zingano with Megan Anderson. You know, I'm not a, as everyone knows, uh, for a good reason, I'm not a Megan Anderson fan. You know, I'm a Zingano fan, much like a lot of you out there. So, uh, I don't know some of you like Anderson and and the thing about and what I'll say about Anderson is the fact that she always tries to come off cool at the face-offs. You know, always, you know, the same demeanor. So when Kat Zingano all of a sudden, I'm like, now now Megan Megan Megan, however you want to say. It, she, you know, the whole Chris Cyborg situation when she called out Cyborg, I could see that 
I could see Cyborg, which she wouldn't do, which she would not do. But I could see her coming in kind of, you know, you know, you know, aggressive, you know, being at the press and getting in her face. Like, yeah, you call me out and all of a sudden you, that is warranted. That is warranted, especially in that situation, because Megan had bailed. She called Cyborg out. The next thing you know, she can't make it. She's like, oh, I'm sick, going through mental issues, all this kind of stuff, which is fair. But you don't call Cyborg, of all people, out. Cyborg will show up on that day. That's the one person you don't. We've seen a lot of phony call outs. We've seen the person who got called out, not serious about taking the fight. And we saw the person who made the call out, not even serious about the fight. Not Chris Cyborg. Chris Cyborg is ready to go. It doesn't matter who it is. You call, like she said, you call me out, I'm going to show up. That was her exact words. You know what I mean? You don't call her out and then bail. So I could see her, I could see her having an issue with Megan Anderson, but Singano? I, I don't know what, again, I, I wasn't following Anderson at the time, but you know, she said something. It was, you know, that it was, you know, put out on social media. There's no way she was, of all people, would say something and people not run with it. So I was just, so when uh, Zingano walked in there all animated and hyped up, I was just like, nah, because if she can't be cool at the press, then nah. That was the only one of the few times when I was like, okay, I, I, first of all, I already had Megan Anderson to begin with in that fight because it's just too much of a reach to get under. And, and Zingano isn't good it's not like she really had a good way of getting under her reach. She really couldn't get under Nunez's reach. She just grappled the hell out of her. But she was getting tagged. It was a wonder that she didn't get knocked out in that first round. But no, she relied entirely on her grappling, which is something that she did against Ronda that I thought was a mistake. You don't try to grapple with Ronda. And she did, and she paid for it. Um, so yeah, I didn't think she had much of a chance against Anderson. You know what I mean? Like, Holly Holm can come in as she did a different fighter, which is what she did. She she grapples that she's, she's not known for grappling. Perfect sense. And she's a boxer, so I knew that she would figure out a way to get under the reach to do whatever it is that she was going to do. Zingano's a grappler. She can't, she would end up getting popped like most grapplers do, trying to go into panic grapple. And I knew from the very beginning she would try to stand for a minute and it was just too much of a reach. The arm length and the leg reach, oh my God. It's, please. You know what I mean? But that kind of pretty much her mentality, her, the way she was coming in all hyped up again. She was kind of hyped up against Ronda. And it was just like, look, I don't care what Ronda says. She's the world champion. And she, you know what I mean? This is someone who's in the Olympics. Like, she's supposed to be cocky and arrogant. Your ass said no. You know what I mean? So um but and and it's and it's but it's the person, not their demeanor per se. You know what I mean? To think that and then even with that situation, for Paulo Costa to come out all of a sudden with his black belt, something he hasn't put he hasn't used his black belt in jujitsu since he's been in the UFC. He's been he's gotten suspended more than he's used his grappling, okay? I, you know, it, that's desperate. If any, if I was going to be against anyone, it would be Costa for pulling that silly, childish uh, antics. Not, not Mabology, you know, not Israel. 
you know, if anything, the way Israel responded by snatching the white belt out of his hand and throwing it at him, he, he's again, once again, establishing that he has no fear for, as he calls him, a balloon animal. You know, that's what I saw. I saw someone who just plain has no fear. And that, to me, is, the, and he's not the one who instigated it. He's not the one who initiated any of that stuff. He was there standing, ready to go. Calm, cool, and collected like Megan Anderson was. To me, it was the other way around. Even with her, the way she reacted, kind of laughing like, you know, oh, you're mad now? You, you hyping yourself up? Her demeanor, much like Israel's, is the reason that helped me. I was like, yeah, okay, well, that's it. Definitely her for sure. But if you let that influence your picks and anything like that, especially when it comes to money, you're a fool. Rank amateur, got no business betting. That's foolishness, and I hate to be harsh, but that's stupidity. Okay, no, it, it's about demeanor is one thing. Like, uh, uh, um, what's another? I'm trying to think of another example. Um, like, uh, I mean, like, like Mayweather, Mayweather, Connor. Like to me, Mayweather handled the situation well. You know, under the circumstances to me, but, you know, he seemed to get a little uncomfortable at times, got a little hype at times, but, you know, kind of was just out of his mind. But, you know, that didn't change who I thought was going to win at all. <laughs> at all. You know, how, why, with what? <laughs> you know what I mean? When, when, you, when those questions can't get answered, another example is uh, Eubanks fighting Avila. There was a way for Eubanks to win. Uh, as I always mention, I always bring up Roxy Barber. If there's a way for them to win, that's a different story. If there's a way for them to win. When there is no way, then it's not much the person can do, no matter how they act at a presser. Connor could get as hyped as he wanted to call use every racial epithet known to man, it's not going to make help him win the fight. Whether it was Habib or Mayweather, same results. Nick D Nate Diaz, probably Nick Diaz soon, right? But Nate Diaz, another one. I knew Connor was going to get slapped and get his ass kicked. I knew he wasn't going to win that first fight. Hyped up, out of his mind. What's he going to do? He's going to punch with a grappler who's a counterpuncher who he has no chance against on the ground. Zero. Same with Habib. Zero. What, what, tell me what he's going to do. Then maybe I understand the point about the demeanor. But the perfect examples of demeanor not mean the single solitary thing. You know, to me, Connor kind of got under Habib's skin. Um... You know, Khabib coming out, got his fist in front of him and all this kind of stuff to me. He did kind of, Connor did kind of get under Habib's skin. Made no difference. If anything, made him matter, which is why we had what happened in the end of that fight where Connor's basically about to fight for his life because he's hoping this dude doesn't choke him to death. <laughs> in some situations, it just makes it worse, man, not better. And then Costa, <laughs> oh, oh, you're going to grapple now. <laughs> Although I think those are key, those are his keys to victory. 
is the grapple in that first and second round. The man has a gas tank of an 80-year-old woman, okay? With a, with a, no, 80-year-old man with a bad heart. Okay, that's, that's, how, that's how bad his cardio is. All right. It, come on now, man. The one fool that thinks if he doesn't grapple that he'll save, conserve energy. That's stupidity, man. That is, I, I don't want no fighter jumping out of a bowl of cereal to come at me with that either. Fix the problem. Fix the goddamn, don't get mad at me. Fix the goddamn problem. It's ridiculous. I can't, grown-ass man. You can't get past the third round. And I'm supposed to be scared of him? Come on, man. <laughs> get out of here with that. You got, oh, you got 10 minutes? Think about the time frame. For MMA, oh, you, you only got 10 minutes to beat me now. No cardio. Get the hell out of here, man. Get that, man. <laughs> Get out of here with that. Yeah. That's how Mayweather, that's pretty much how Mayweather wins a lot of his fights, where he just looks at the person, watch him get tired, you know, put the pressure on him, but watch them get tired, lose focus. He can go in there. And finish him off. Like, come on, man. You know, or he just makes it so he don't get hit in the face. And he just wears them down. You know, it's like, come on, man. So, yeah, nah, that that's silly. That That is silliness right there. Like, you know, especially when a person has came in and there's no health issues. They're not overweight. They didn't miss weight. There's nothing else going on. You know, so, yeah. I just had to address that issue. All right, everyone. So I just want to do a, another PSA, all right, about Mackenzie Dern. So, I, I, you know, I'm one of the main ones. You know, I love grappling, and I'm quick to point out that she's a high-level uh, black belt in jiu-jitsu. But I also want to make something else very clear, okay, because this kid was uh, trying to come at me about grapplers and who's an elite grappler, and then this fool, <laughs> he couldn't name someone current. So he says Luke Rockhold, which is laughable, and Chris Weedman in their prime. Not currently, but in their prime. He couldn't name anyone currently, which was just, he don't, you know, it's like when someone can't, if you don't know who Carlos Diego is when it comes to high-level grappling, if you don't have the wherewithal to talk to even bring up Kamaru Usman, then you're dumb and don't know what you're talking about. I hate to be harsh, but that's just dumb, Okay. Now, as far as McKenzie, but one thing, but using, you know, I told him, he finally shut up when I told him that Luke Rockhold was a terrible example, an absolutely horrible example, because he got, all of his losses came by way of knockout. The problem with many grapplers is they don't have a striking base, so they don't know what to do when they get in trouble via striking. You know, is he, uh, Israel, Adishriel, you know, you see what he does. He, he'll get completely out of the way. He went to, uh, Tatiana Suarez was debating me over uh, Gerald Marjorak moving toward what she believed was Hazmat's, his uh, power, as she said, power. Not his right hand, because, you know, she can't articulate very well. It's, well... Izzy did the exact same thing. He moved out of the way. He did that in all of his fights. 
he he got out of the way. He blocked. He moved his head. Get your head out of the way. The one person who who will understand panic grappling. Now I'm not, you know, DC, and you know, I get panic wrestling from DC. DC doesn't like it, even though he himself, you know, and to his credit, he didn't do that when he fought Stipe. You know, if it was there, and then again, it was DC. You know what I mean? If he could scoop somebody up, he just scooped him up. Something Tatiana Suarez doesn't, can't do. And it's not because she's a woman. She's just plain can't do it as good as she is. She was getting picked apart by Nina Azarov no matter where she went. Because high level, that's why I just, I just left it alone because I'm like, it's no sense in trying to convince someone because Stephen Thomas chimed in on it, but he was polite, as I said. He was polite um, and left it alone, you know, made his comment and kept on pushing. That's it, didn't want to keep on commenting. It's like he, he kept quiet because I posted his fight with Woodley where he moved towards Woodley's right hand, but then tried to move away, move to his right away from Woodley's right hand, and he still got hit, which my point to her was, it doesn't matter which way you're going. But she won't understand because she's a grappler. Grapplers don't understand striking. That's part of the reason why Costa will have problems with Izzy if Izzy really is careful. You know, I'm, I'm questioning whether or not he'll be careful or not, but if he's careful... He will, you know, he will style on Costa because Costa, his base is grappling. It's not striking. And you could tell by the way some of the things that he does in the octagon. Same with Luke Rockhold. Gee, why is his head up high in the air? Same with Tatiana Suarez. Because they, have, they don't have a striking base. It's grappling. They don't know what they're doing truly when it comes to striking. So when they go and get in trouble, that's the thing people have to look. They always look at someone's success. Look at what happens when they get in trouble. Chuck Liddell, why was he starting to get knocked out? You know, his, the main main way he was finished was by knockout because he's primarily a grappler. One, his base is, is wrestling. One, no one's going to want to take him down because his base is wrestling, anyone who has a brain. And then two, because unfortunately he has poor habits. He still had, as good as he was a striker, he still had poor habits hands were too far apart, no kind of blocking, no instincts to move out of the way, to duck under. Even as a wrestler, to even think, to even, even, you know, I agree with DC, I don't like panic grappling or panic wrestling. Perfect example of that is Carlos Barza. But, hey, if it gets you, if it keeps you from getting knocked out, we saw that with Kobe Covington. If it, whatever keeps you from getting knocked out, hey, sometimes you just got to do it. Uh, uh, Woodley, everyone did that with Woodley in his last three losses, they made sure they didn't get knocked out primarily by taking them down. Take the risk. How sharp is this jujitsu? Take the risk, see what happens. Just don't stay down there. Just try to stay active. You know, stay, you know, don't stay down there to get subbed. Stand up. He stands up, trade a little bit, move around, take him down to avoid getting knocked out. That's the best way to me for anyone who is whose base is grappling of any kind. We see that with Damian Maya. The problem is to me is he does it too much. Then when he has to strike, like we saw with Gilbert Burns, he gets knocked out. Because that's the problem with grapplers, is they don't have the striking base. And then so on later, they can't expect to be the most dominant grappler that they're going to go up. You know, in other words, like Mackenzie Dern, she can't keep expecting that she's not going to run into another black belt. She ran into another black belt in jiu-jitsu who had judo and could strike in Hamanda Habaz, and she got worn out. 
You know, she got outclassed and worn out. So this notion that Dern, because she subbed, uh, you know, with a brown belt, a purple belt, <laughs> that all of a sudden she could beat Ronda Rousey. Listen, the last person she went up against who was bigger than she was, Amanda Habaz, she couldn't deal with any any of it. Couldn't deal with the power, couldn't deal with the judo techniques. Can't, and that's something, a good way. Why does Valentina Shevchenko always win? Because she's a black belt in judo. She uses that to neutralize. She neutralized a grappler in Chukagan. We saw what Chukagan did against her sister. She's a grappler. She didn't want to stand in trade, which was smart. Took her down because Antonia has, a, both sisters have a striking base. But what makes the difference between them, between Antonia and Valentina, is Valentina can grapple, but that judo, to me, that judo, you know, is such a good weapon to have. I don't care what the division is. I don't care male, female. It's such a good element to have. Waterson, as long as she stays healthy, depending on who she goes up against, that will help her. Now, she's not a black belt. She needs to, you know, I've always been very critical of her. She needs to master a technique. If I think grappling is the key, not striking, you know, try to make it up her way. It'd be hard now with COVID and everything, but try to make her way up to black belt. Um, either way, whether it's the judo or jujitsu, hopefully both, if she intends to survive. Because to me, she's not going to survive. She's not going to move up the train. You know, she's just not. But. If she's going to continue to fight and put on an exciting fight and keep a job, that's to me what she needs to do. But to think that, you know, Mackenzie Dern will all of a sudden beat a Ronda Rousey is, that's that's high comedy. I mean, I get that. And first of all, Ronda lost to a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu who is the heaviest hitter in two divisions, not one, but two divisions. Now, I think that Megan Anderson hits harder, but look at her. She's a giant. <laughs> she, she's my size. Like, she's literally the size I'm supposed to be. Now, I'm way bigger, but I'm supposed to be six, you know, at six foot. I am, you know, I should, I need to cut down to one, because I think she walks around at 170, and then, I mean, I don't know about nowadays. It'd probably be safer for her just to be 150 and then just, you know, do a 10-pound cut to, you know, 155 or 160 and just do a a small cut to 145. But, yeah, I heard that she walked around at 170. <laughs> you know, she's supposed to be stronger than Nunez, you know, like, but other than that, Nunez is the strongest fighter in two divisions. Like, come on, you know what I mean? But also a black belt in judo. There we go. You know, so, but yeah, to me, Valentina, um, that's why she continues to be successful. Waterson, same thing. You know, a lot of fight Habaz is going to terrorize a lot of fighters. Now, again, she's another one with a grappling base, even though she did a little bit of everything. She did Muay Thai, she did uh, Jiu-Jitsu, but primarily a grappling base, because I can see it when she fights. She holds her head up a little too high. She doesn't know how to strike defensively. We see that with Angela Hill, who's a very who's an elite striker. We see the damage that she causes, yet takes none in return, because she can strike defensively she knows what to do she knows to keep her head out of the way and she knows that keep keep that jab going to keep the fighter from even getting too close to her the problem with to me is that she gets hit with those leg kicks and even though they may not hurt 
she's still being outpointed. That's something that she herself isn't seeing, and she always seems to get taken down. She ends up going against someone with a grappling base, and she always ends up getting taken down, which is to her detriment. But other than that, we see that when it comes to striking, so far no one's been able to touch her. Yeah, this is because she knows how to, you know, she's good offensively and defensively, something that many strikers like a Tatiana Suarez has no is clueless on. But, yeah, so in, in other words, if there was a match, you know, and it's all fantasy and everything, but if there was a fight between Dern and Ronda, Ronda, first of all, would put her hands on Dern because Dern can't strike to save her life. You know, we saw with the leg kick, she couldn't even get the leg kick right. <laughs> She would get pulverized. She would. She wouldn't be able to take a single blow from Ronda, okay? And because we, you gotta remember, a lot of people crack jokes about Beth Correa, but Aldana, who has some of the best striking in the division, best boxing rather, in the division, had, was having problems with Beth. Holly Holm was very apprehensive to try. You know, she that fin- she wanted to make sure she got the finish correct. You know, her her combo correct to put Beth down you know Beth is tough (laughs) you know she's not there mentally but she's tough she is tough you know what I mean she took a lot of punishment from first of all she dished out punishment to Aldana while taking a lot of punishment you know what I mean so she may not have been there all the to me it was just a mental thing with her as far as the striking goes but for, for Ronda to put her away wasn't necessarily a, a farce or anything like that. And, um, you know, she got finished by a boxer with 20 years of experience who was a kickboxer and a, a more MMA champ before she walked into the UFC. She got finished by a woman who's the strongest uh, striker in the division, who's a black belt in both judo and jiu-jitsu. I don't see what a clinch would have done would have made a difference. People still yelling that to this day. It wouldn't have made a difference. Clinch and do what? She's not a Muay Thai fighter. You know, GDR, when she clinched, things happened. But Ronda, what was she going to clinch for? And take who down? A judo fighter who's a, a judo black belt like herself? Come on, I stop that. You know, it's casuals, man. Stop it. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I, I just get off the trains, man. Folks are hopping on these trains. Get off the trains. Get off the Habash train. Get off the Durham train. Enjoy them while they're here. Will they make it up the chain? Uh, I can see Habash skipping a line. I can see Dern skipping a line. But um, right now, Dern has kind of been steadily fighting certain fighters. You know, they're not quick to push her after she got outclassed by Habash. Why? Will she beat a Generoba? No. She's a black belt and also now she's not as high level as Dern is, but come on now. Dern can't strike to save her life. She's one punch away. Again, the Luke Rockhall example and even Chris Weedman, the example. And they, the part, part of the reason why I dismissed what this kid was saying, because they themselves got knocked out by grapplers. Yoel Romero is one of the best wrestlers in, you know, in the UFC, not just in that division, even though he doesn't use his wrestling. Still, why would you wrestle him, though? You see what I'm saying? Like, why would you grapple with someone who is a high-level grapple? You don't do it. So he gets in there as two grapplers, which usually happens. Two grapplers get in there. They usually end up striking because they don't want to go to the ground against each other because one doesn't want to end up learning that they're they're not as good as the other, okay? End up getting knocked out. 
because they really don't have the striking, you know, like uh, Israel, you know, Israel Adesanya, like a uh, even Jean Wei Li and her division, because that's the division I'm discussing. So might as well stick with the ladies, Valentina Shevchenko. They don't have they they're you know someone who grapples but has a striking base. They're not going to know as we've seen. They outclassed. <laughs> you know, it makes sense that Jean Wei Li will have problems with the Yuana MJ chip because striking base versus striking base. You know, Muay Thai fighter versus Muay Thai former Muay Thai champion makes perfect sense. You know, it. Come on now, uh, Andrade, Jessica Andrade, grappling base. So she's not as she became more technical when she went up in the rematch against Rose, which was great, commendable, and fantastic. She did well. But when he, she, she didn't have that when she went up against Jean Wei Lee, she also no one could understand just what Jean could do except for hardcores like myself who watched her before she got into the UFC. It made sense. And that's why I told people. I was like, you know, as long as Andras didn't make a striking mistake, she was going to be fine. But the minute she made a striking mistake, which she did, she got level. And I was like, yeah, I don't care how strong she is. She's getting level. This chick is no joke. She beats up everyone. <laughs> you know, Jean Wei Lee beats up everyone. You know, people have a hard time taking her power. I don't know how Danielle Taylor did it. You know, Tessia Torres is tough. She never gets finished, so, you know what I mean? She, she is still, to this day, hasn't gotten finished, so, you know. And that's another reason why I'm like, Dern, I doubt Dern would get far because Tessia Torres is going up against all kinds of fighters. So I, I doubt Dern will even, she, I can see her losing that via decision. Um, you know, Torres, is it, once she's too strong, first of all, probably going to be too strong for Durham. Even though she's small, Tiny Torres, you know, I think she deadlifted 400 pounds, something crazy like that. Like, she's strong as hell. Um, also, the speed. And then there's the experience. Durham's not going to know what the hell she's doing in there. You know what I mean? Like, you can't. Some, the grappling is good, but sometimes you have to set it up with the striking. And if the striking isn't great, like with DC, DC striking isn't John Jones level striking. Uh, it truly really isn't steep base striking, but he is good enough at it that he can use it to set up his grappling. Suarez, Dern, that's not them. Okay, they, they, and, then, and then the sad part is, it's primarily because, not their fault, but it's primarily because they're in a division with women who have been doing it far too long. You can't all of a sudden practice. You see Suarez practicing in her backyard. You can't all of a sudden practice some striking in the backyard and think that you're going to go in there against a six-time world Muay Thai champion and win with takedown defense and win. Now, I have no doubt that Tatiana could take Joanna down, but the problem that we've seen with Joanna is her getting back up again, right, or her blocking the takedown to begin with. She did that against Jean Wei Lee who's stronger than Suarez. Sorry, but that's the reality of the situation. Suarez isn't as strong as Jean Lee or Jessica Andrade by any stretch of imagination, and they couldn't keep Yolanda down. I doubt Suarez will do the same thing. And again, what would she get hit with? Because we saw when she went up against Nina Azarov in that last round, look what happened. She was getting picked apart. So, you know, look, uh, Verna, Generalba, Dern, because first of all, they probably going to end up running into another black belt. That's problem number one. 
problem number two that because they'll probably end up running into each other. Problem number two is, you know, going up against fighters who just have been doing it far too long. Far too long. You know, I think I think Dern and Generoba could get, you know, Angela Hill. Us uh, unfortunately um, on the ground, but that's it. Yan Jonan. <laughs> yeah, okay. She's probably gonna light those two up like a Christmas tree. You hear me? You know, definitely, probably Marina Rodriguez. Uh, I see them uh, getting her, uh, beating her on the ground. Uh, but, you know, it wouldn't be a good idea for Dern to go try to go to the ground against someone who's even a higher level jiu-jitsu practitioner in Claudia Cadelia. That's another example. And the sad part is it's the first round. It's the, for both of them. That's another problem, especially with Mackenzie Dern, is it's like, man, get out of that first or second round. What's she going to do? She didn't look good the last time it went to a decision. You know, so it's like... What was she, you know, how's that going to work? You know, with two people, two fighters with suspect cardio and they can't go to the ground. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause she can't, Darren can't go or general, but should not go down to the ground against Claudia Gadelia, who I can actually see taking those two down to the ground because they can't beat her in terms of jujitsu. She's a higher level jujitsu practitioner in both of them. So that's what I'm saying. Like they got, and then trying to go to the ground against Magnum, they they would get knocked out before the fight even. First of all, they get knocked out as soon as the fight started. That's problem number one. Problem number two, trying to just drag her down to the ground. I wouldn't do that. She's entirely too strong. You know what I mean? It, it's no. You know, so we'll we'll see how things play out, uh, particularly in that division. But yeah, it's it's laughable to think that you know. Dern would beat Ronda. Stop that. <laughs> she would get killed by. She's a bantamweight, a five foot seven. Dern is five foot four. Okay. A chubby 125, 125er uh, who cuts down. Who, who, hey, you know, to her credit, has been making 115. Made 115 on the nose this time around. So credit to her. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, to face off against a, a, a bantamweight. <laughs> <laughs> five foot seven, the size difference. Okay, she couldn't deal with someone who's five foot five. She's gonna deal with someone who's five foot seven. Rhonda would kill that chick, okay? Especially if all she can do is work the ground. Rhonda would, no. And, and if anything, she with that kind of power, she probably would end up getting uh, Dern in an armbar. Dern is good when she's off doing well, you know, offensive, you know, offensive grappling. But defensively, that's a whole different story when she gets in trouble. You know what I mean? She really hasn't been, you know, against a Hannah Cypher as a purple belt, if she is actually a purple belt. You know what I mean? Like, come on now. That's not a problem for someone like a Dern. You know, but when she, the fact of the matter is, they're probably pushing her slow because when she went in there against another black belt, she fell. She fell miserably. Had no clue what she was doing in there. So, I mean, and, and yeah, she, she couldn't take, do one Black belt, how the hell is she going to stop it? <laughs> she couldn't deal with one black belt in judo. How the hell is she going to deal with, uh, an, uh, you know, someone who's in the Olympics? Stop it. <laughs> stop it. But, yeah, hop off that Mackenzie Dern train. She subbed uh, fighters who were under her in terms of her jiu-jitsu 
when she went against someone who's legit, she failed. She's going to fail going forward. You hop off that train. She is going to be a gatekeeper. That's just the way it is. Because that, that division, as I keep telling people, it's entirely too stacked. The, you know, and it, you still got Kay Hansen in there. Now, she's not on Dern's level. She would get subbed by Dern. But, you know, that's someone who could give the other fighters problems. You know, but, yeah, I, I don't, you know. And, again, like I said, uh, Yan Jonan will probably beat all of all of these women moving forward. You know, uh, I think that Claudia Gadelia is the one person who can get her on the ground and, and get a submission. But that's it. That's it. And, and will she make the – but the thing is, will she use striking to set up the grappling? Will she just go ahead and charge in for the takedown like uh, Jenna did against Herrick? Or will she set up with the striking? Because if so, she's getting brutalized. Uh, to me, no one in that division is just try to trade punches with Yan Jonan. It hasn't worked so far. And Angela Hill, as we've seen, she's one of the best strikers in the division. And she couldn't do any too much against Yan Jonan. A lot of people say, oh, no, she was robbed. No, she was not. She lost. <laughs> okay. She lost. But, yeah, that's it. I just had to get on that rant and, and just, just kind of, you know, slow folks down, like get off that hype train.